Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited for you to listen to today's episode. We've wanted Jason to come on the podcast for quite a while. And he gave us all the scoop on his relationship and some really hot tips for being an amazing investor. So definitely stay tuned till the end. I also talk about what I currently do to invest. I can't believe I gave away my secrets. Honestly, I feel like Steven's going to kill me. (laughs) But... I really think you're going to enjoy the episode. Before we get into that, I'm going to answer a few of your questions. One of you said it would be really funny to hear some silly icks you've had in the past. Example, if they wore cargo shorts. I will say cargo shorts would definitely be an ick. I joked about Steven's drawstring bag recently. Like drawstring bags were always icky for me. Like even when we were in high school and that was like what the the boys wore, like I was like, Ugh. I just feel like there needs to be like a better bag. I mean, I love the Dagny Dover bag. They sponsor the podcast and they're amazing. I got that for Steven, but like he will only use that for work and then for working out or like playing pickleball, which we were doing this two weekends ago, you know, he's wearing this gross drawstring bag. So that's an ick. I also had a partner or like someone I dated rather who said friggin it's like <laughs> like f r g g i n like no there's just absolutely not friggin is the biggest ick to me like i i'm honestly my vagina is drying up at the mere mention of it again i also had a really so i had this date when i was like single before I started dating Steven. He was so sweet, but he was obsessed with like juicing. So instead of dinner, he would order like a juice, like a like a protein shake type of juice. And he was just always talking about working out. And I feel like that was a huge ick for me. Like I love when a guy works out, but like don't don't talk about it on a date. It's just it's not cute. Also a huge ick for me is when they sweat onto you during sexual activity of any kind. I was in college and I was hooking up with this guy who ended up causing like a lot of drama in my life unintentionally because he was like dating someone and I didn't know, whatever. I was hooking up with this guy and he was dripping sweat onto me. Like I'm pretty sure a sweat drop went into my I 
when he was on top. Like, ap- absolutely not. Absolutely not. Someone asked if I could talk about how difficult it is to find a guy who follows your rules pre-date. So I'm assuming they're referring to the rules for men, which is like pay for the date, hold the door for her and all that stuff, get her flowers. I think for men, the rules come less naturally and that's where you set the boundary and like, set the standard for what you will accept in your relationship. Like if I were dating someone and they didn't hold the door for me, I'd be like, you need to hold the door for me. Like if you ever want this to go to, you know, level two, level three, you have to do this and you have to do this. Like it's hot to stand up for yourself and state your needs and wants. Like there's nothing that's a turnoff about saying exactly how you want to be treated. Someone asked, what helped you with self-love and when you realized you had made it to where you want to be? I'm assuming you mean where I want to be in terms of loving myself. And the truth is that I'm not where I want to be. And I am never where I want to be when it comes to self-love. I feel like I'm just not that good to myself. And I don't speak to myself that nicely. And I'm really working on it. I really am. But especially now during Mercury retrograde, I'm, I'm having these like crazy dreams and I just, I don't feel like I am being kind to myself. Like I'm, my mind is not as good and healthy as it normally is. I'm not gonna lie to you. But in terms of what has helped me and what does help me love myself is moving my body and working out that is so mental for me. It has nothing to do with the physical. It's about the fact that I did something. I took an hour out of my day to be off of my phone and in, you know, out of my head and do something that's for me. I think self-love also comes from, you know, treating others in a really nice way. Like when I'm good to other people, I then feel good about myself when I do service um, you know, I, I'm involved in a program for my sobriety and a huge part of that is giving back and giving sobriety to other people and mentoring them. And when I do that, I feel really good about myself when somebody that I am mentoring in that way does well, feels good. Again, that makes me feel self-love when I am working hard. I feel self-love, but it's it's not easy. I mean, I I eat like shit. I'm still working on it. And sometimes I'll just eat like shit. And then I won't feel self-love, not because of how I look, but because of how I feel. So then I feel self-love again, like when I'm good to my body and, and good to my mind and I'm working on therapy and things like that. So it's it's really a give and take with self-love. It's it's not always a hundred percent. It's always something that you have to work on, in my opinion. Somebody wanted me to talk about influencer tea. I'm not gonna lie, I don't really have a lot of it. I mean, I went to a an event the other day at Sedell's. It was like an influencer event with Locks Club. And it was fun. I met like a lot of influencers that I hadn't met before. Um, what I will say is like, there's so much more to what you see on 
on Instagram. And that's not to say like people look different. No, it's just like people have people like influencers are people and they're going through different struggles. Like I saw my, one, one of my friends who's an influencer and like she's dealing with like her, you know, someone in her life being really sick and like she doesn't share that. And there's just so much that you don't know. So I feel like as much as we all love the influencer tea and love to gossip and like I can be guilty of the same, it's like also no one has any idea what's going on in these people's lives. So like, you know, try to keep it, try to try to be understanding of that and like less judgmental as a result. What I will say is though, I did hear two influencers at that event talking about how hard it is to be an influencer. And that really got me because I was like, okay, I mean, I'm not, I don't consider myself an influencer. I consider myself someone who has a podcast and like has followers because of that. But if all, like if most of what slash all of what I was doing was the Instagram stuff, then that wouldn't be hard. Like the podcast is where it gets a little hard, gets a little more complicated. You want to have good content. You want to, you know, you're, I'm recording like two or three times a week, working on it all the time. Like not saying that again, like I feel so lucky to do what I do, but if I was just doing the influencer part of it, I definitely wouldn't be complaining. Like, I feel like that's such a blessing so that I was laughing at that for sure. Um, but I don't know. I don't really have a lot of influencer tea. I don't feel like it's the best way to spend my time to be like thinking about what other influencers are doing necessarily. But I did think of a line that you can use on a dating app when they're you're going back and forth and they're asking you like the third question and you're just rolling your eyes and you're like, come on, like, let's just get to the date already. And I've been using this in my dating consultations, which you can book by emailing wemanadacme at gmail.com. But you can say something like, let's save this for in person or let's like, I'll answer that in person or like, why don't we save this? Like if they're like, so like, where did you know, where did you grow up or whatever? Be like, oh, let's say, well, I guess you can answer that. But if they ask a deeper question, just be like, oh, let's say, like, let's not talk too much before we meet in person or let's save this for in person. And then they're like, oh, when am I seeing you in person? You know? Um, And then lastly, I had this idea for a TikTok, but I don't know how to make great TikToks. And so I'm going to share it with you. It's so funny when you go on a double date with your husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, whatever, and they're your friends, you have to do like a a prep in the beginning. Like I'm like, okay, the husband's name is Bill. They have their daughter's name is Jane. And um he works in real estate. He like it's like the the prep before it's like in in Devil Wars Prada when Anna Wintour's assistant is like whispering things into Anna's ear whispering names as people come up. I don't know. I just thought that that there's something there. I'm going to work on it. Anyway, so excited for you to hear Jason. going to turn it over to him. I thought I would update you on the girl who wrote in that the guy she's seeing takes athletic greens, drinks athletic greens. And so she thought that he had a girlfriend because why would a guy be doing that on his own? Turns out not only does he not have a girlfriend, but now they are dating because he is just a normal guy who cares about his body and his immune system. We ship this man. 
There's a reason that everyone is obsessed. You're absorbing with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens and some water. You absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. It is so easy. You just take a scoop of Athletic Greens. You take a scoop of water. I keep my Athletic Greens in the fridge once I open it. So it's even a little cool. And I just mix and I drink. I drink it in the morning. Sometimes I drink it in the afternoon. It doesn't really matter as long as you're drinking it because it's got all the things that you could ever, ever need. And it's lifestyle friendly. If you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you can still consume Athletic Greens. It supports your sleep quality, your muscle recovery, Even if you're someone that doesn't work out, it's still so much better for you. And it was founded because somebody was dealing with some... The founder, it was dealing with gut health issues and they had to take all these supplements. No, why not just have one scoop of Athletic Greens? To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Acme. That's athleticgreens.com slash Acme to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. If you also get the ick from men wearing drawstring bags, it's time to up their game. I feel like if we can't do it for them, they're definitely not going to do it for themselves. And that's why Dagny Dover is a brand that you need to have on your radar. It's founded by three women based in New York City, and it's a performance bag brand, backpacks, gender-neutral baby bags, work and commuter totes, toiletry organizers, crossbodies, AKA bags that aren't gross little drawstring bags, bags that are actually sexy. Like every time I see a Dagny Dover bag, I'm like, oh, I went to brunch with my friend the other day and she was wearing a very sleek black backpack from Dagny Dover for her baby stuff. And I was like, how cool is this that you don't need a whole stroller? You can just put everything in your backpack. That's awesome. They're made out of neoprene, leather, and eco-friendly materials like organic cotton and recycled poly made from plastic bottles. I love Dagny Dover. It's perfect for commute back to the office, travel, wherever life takes you. It's amazing for gift giving. It's great for groomsmen gifts, bridesmaid gifts, and I'm just a huge fan. They support the podcast. So I would love if you could support them. They are part of the reason that this podcast is free. So definitely check it out. You'll get 10% off as a first-time customer with code ACME. That's Dagny Dover. It's spelled D-A-G-N-E-D-O-V-E-R. So go to DagnyDover.com and use code ACME for 10% off for your first time. Definitely check it out. You can have all the pockets you could ever dream of. And also just a really sick bag where everyone's like, where did you get that? Dagnydover.com. Use promo code ACME. 
Relationships are hard, and that's why I'm here. Hey friend, it's Cami Crawford. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show, Relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics, the good, the bad, and the straight up shitty. Need advice? Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon, bestie. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with host of Trading Secrets podcast, Jason Tardik. Hey, Jason. Hey, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for coming on. I have so many questions for you. I don't even know where to start. I feel like <laughs> it's like going to be half dating, half finance stuff. So I feel like our listeners would love it if we started with the dating stuff. So maybe we'll do that and then kind of mix in both. Um, That's a power combo right there, right? (laughs) Love it. Love it. It really is. Um, So before we get into it, Jason, how old are you and where are you from? So I'm 33 years old. I was born and raised in Buffalo, New York. I was a corporate banker for like 10 years. It kind of brought me all over. I lived in parts of New York, parts of Ohio, parts in Seattle, Washington, and now currently reside in Nashville, Tennessee with my fiance, Caitlin Bristow. And we have two golden retrievers we rescued, uh, Ramen and Pino. Love it. And what were you doing before you decided to go on The Bachelor? Yeah. So I was a corporate banker. So I would lent money to... Because people hear that and like, what does that actually mean? So I would lend money to companies that earned revenues of like $100 million and greater. So maybe they're buying real estate or they're buying equipment or they're buying another company. I would be the banker that would meet with them, understand their business, and then lend them the money to do so. And I was with that bank for about 10 years. And that's why I moved in all those different parts, Ohio, New York, Seattle. And I got my MBA in accounting and finance as well. Very cool. And what made you want to go on The Bachelor? Yeah. I think that's the question uh, a lot of people would ask me, especially mom, dad, and my boss. But the thing for me is I did this bachelor auction when I lived in Rochester. Okay, And the purpose of this bachelor auction was to raise money for this charity called Gilda's Club. Because Gilda Radner, famous comedian at SNL, abruptly died of ovarian cancer. So they created this fund for her. And so they brought 30 guys all over Rochester, New York, and we all had to be sponsored. So the bank that I worked for actually sponsored me. And they donated to the charity. And we all come out in tuxedos and we're dancing and stuff. People bid on us to go on a date. It's like 2,000 people there. And I came out like a wild man. I took my jacket off. I'm like stripping up there. I'm uh-huh. going up trying to get the bids. And that night I went for the most of all the guys. And that video got sent to ABC. And so someone put in a nomination. So about eight, nine months after I do this event, I don't even live in New York anymore. I had moved because of work. I get a call when I'm in Seattle. And the call goes something like, hey, we got this video. Are you still single? And you still live in New York? I'm like, well, I'm single, but I don't live in New York. My best buddy calls me that day. And he said, dude, you're not going to believe this. What? It's like, remember the bachelor auction? Yeah. The bachelor just called me. So the bachelor <laughs> called him from that event. And ironically enough, we both went down the path. And the reason I ended up doing it because I felt as though forever I had just followed the blueprint, do what you got to do to be successful. It was leading me down a path of deep anxiety, depression, and surface level happiness, depth of disaster. And I just took this shot because I was like, 
I live one life. This is really cool. I'm going to just give it a shot. See what happens. I love that. I feel like from everyone that I've spoken to about you and from what I've heard about you, like you are the, and I don't know if I'm going to be offending other bachelor contestants and people, but the most normal person to have ever gone on <laughs> The Bachelor. There's a lot. I mean, that's a compliment the way you position it like that. Some people might compliment and say the most boring person ever. And I think if you ask, like, if you, you know how like in high school, if you go back to your yearbook, there's like the, you know, most likely to be president, most likely to this. I remember the two people, I'll never forget it. I remember the two people that got most likely to be on reality television show. And me growing up and still me to this day could could not be more different than those two people. Right. They're awesome. Right. They're my buddies, but they were the people that would like jump on the tables and like play hopscotch in the kitchen in the right, of cafeteria and get suspended every day. Like that was not me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you, I don't know how into astrology you are or maybe your fiance is, but you're a Scorpio. So she's obsessed with it. I am learning through her, but yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I feel like Scorpios, I mean, I guess it's it depends on the Scorpio and the rest of your chart, but like are not necessarily like sp- in the spotlight type of people. Interesting. Um, what is the vibe of a Scorpio? The vibe, again, like it really depends on the rest of your chart. And I'm curious okay. if you know it. I'm sure Caitlin does. Yeah. Uh, but sure. the vibe is like, you know, a bit intense. Like okay. Scorpios love intensely and they hate intensely. And like they don't really find an in-between often. And they're deep, like very onion-like. There's like a lot of layers there. And it's a water sign. So like pretty emotional. Interesting. Yeah. And Caitlin, I think she's a Gemini or am I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting pair. You guys aren't like the typical perfect match. But I know so many Scorpio-Gemini couples that make it work. I feel like it's because you both are like powerhouses in a way, which is awesome. Yeah, we're so outrageously different. And Mm -hmm. the way we operate is different. Our skill sets are different, everything. And so sometimes that works and creates like unbelievable successful times in our relationship. And sometimes that creates extreme like hardship in the relationship, right? Just because our vision and the way we perceive and think through things couldn't be more opposite. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I and I want to get into all of that. But pre-Caitlin, so yep. you had mentioned your like mental health was was not great, you know, before you decided to go on the show and you had suffered from depression. It is mental health month. Um, how did you overcome? I know you've talked about like having panic attacks. How did you overcome that? Was therapy involved? Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing I'm not like the most proud of is this answer, but the way I overcame it, quite frankly, was camouflage and crutches. So I didn't want to show my weakness because I knew that I had to protect myself and my credibility in the banking space. If I have anybody in the bank perceiving me as weak, dealing with panic attacks or not being everything I needed to be to the client or to the internal system, it then ruins the bureaucracy involved with actually getting promoted. And I needed to be promoted. I wanted more money. I wanted more title. I had to pay that MBA off. So part of my camouflage and crutch was protection of credibility. And then there's still this survival component where I couldn't 
deal with this. I couldn't be sitting in a meeting and run to the bathroom passing out because I was trying to be something I wasn't. The weight of it was becoming too much. It's not possible. So the way I, my survival aspect was I would go to a psychiatrist. I went to a psychiatrist because I knew I could get a quick fix. The quick fix was I did SSRIs, which aren't as quick as a fix. That's you know anti-depression medicine, which I ended up getting off of. I didn't find is useful because I think I had more situational experiences than generalized. And then I would use Xanax beta blockers. And so that was the way that I coped and worked with it. And then the way that I overcame it, truly overcame it, was more of just actually starting to drop into who I was, to really understand me and to talk the way I wanted to talk and to look the way I wanted to look and dress the way I wanted to look and not worry what everyone cared about. The second I started doing that, ironically, the panic stopped. The deep concern at night and the Sunday scaries and the anxieties of trying to live up to everyone's expectations, they went away. Like in a, in a conversation like this, I don't have any anxiety or confusion because I know when I talk to you, I'm just going to tell you as authentically and as real as it's possibly can. And so I think that really helped. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's like, if you are being yourself, like, what do you have to have anxiety about? Like, you don't have to prepare for something when yeah. it's just you showing up as as you, Yeah, which I love that. I cared so much. What is my boss going to think? What is my employer? Like, what is everyone going to, what's my client going to say? I cared so much about their validation that it was impacting my mental capacity and strength. And now it's like, I don't care. I think maybe even the Instagram, all the noise, all the feedback, all the bullshit, the trolls. I don't care. Like if I'm not for you, I'm not for you. If I'm talking right now and you're listening out there and you're just like, I don't care, then I'm not for you. I'm not going to be offended. And I'm certainly not going to let me drive me to a state of panic where I'm sitting in my pool of sweat passed out on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing when you have any sort of platform. It's like being okay, not being everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. I'm still definitely trying to figure that one out and being okay with that. It's tough. Okay. So last question on The Bachelor, and then we'll get past that part. How did you feel not being picked? Because you got, you know, pretty close to the end there. And I know, of course, you're in like a totally different place now, but if you remember back then. Oh, it sucked. I mean, it sucked. <laughs> it was brutal. I remember we were in Thailand and it was a night date and I got dumped before the fantasy suites. And I remember just going back to my room and I'm in my room by myself at this point, really haven't, you know, other than hometown, saw my parents, but I haven't talked or really spent time with my parents, my family, haven't watched TV really in three months, haven't really listened to music, haven't done anything. And the only distraction I had was like the snacks in my room. And so I just like sat in my feelings. I don't think I've cried as weird as this is. I don't think I cried more in my life than I cried those few days sitting in Thailand. And it was interesting, like when you eliminate some of the noise in your life, especially in technology, the ability to connect with yourself becomes so much deeper. And so that was a takeaway I had. But I do remember like the second... I got out of that world. The recovering was like almost immediate. Like, ah, oh, all right. I just broke out of the bubble. I'm good. That was a show. That was a wild experience. What's next? So, mm -hmm. but that week I remember was like brutal. And I will say what was interesting. I don't know if it's like PTSD, but I was good. Like, oh, I'm not like totally excited about what's next. and like not a worry in the world. And then when they re-aired that episode, which was, shoot, 
two, three months after it, I remember, boom, it took me right back. And I'm like, oh, like I could feel it all over again, watching it back. Yeah, that is PTSD. I feel like it's like, especially you were disconnected from the world. You were isolated. Like you went through this thing. And I feel like part of why you were able to get over it, like once you were out of that bubble is because you got like emotional about it. You felt the feels. I feel like in a normal world, when you go through a breakup, you're immediately on social media. You're immediately back on the dating apps. Like you just numb it away. And like, you know, I've been guilty of that for sure. And then sometimes it might never come up again until you're in a place where you're isolated again, not on technology, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like most men, when they go through breakups, they do the opposite of like immediately cry. They like immediately get back out there and like are, you know, doing the things they thought that they missed out on and then it hits them later. So I feel like, yeah. So I feel like you did the opposite and that's why you were able to like get out of it. Yeah, I think so. I love spring. I'm obsessed with it. The weather is perfection, but it's starting to teeter on frizzy weather. And so if you're using some basic shampoo and conditioner, it's time to level up immediately. Function of Beauty is the world the world's first fully customizable hair care that creates individually filled shampoos, conditioners, styling, and treatment formulas based on your hair now and then where you want it to go. It's founded by a dream team of engineers and cosmetic scientists, and each product is individually designed to be as unique as you are. With 54 trillion possible formulations. Everything's vegan and cruelty-free. No sulfates or parabens, which are horrible for your hair. And they also look really cute, these bottles. Like they're all adorable. You can choose your color. You can choose your fragrance. I personally love the rose scent. Or you can go fragrance-free if you're like, you know what? I don't want a fragrance or dye-free if you don't want a color. So say goodbye to generic hair care for good today. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash Acme to take your hair goals quiz. And that's how they come up with your custom formula. You'll save 25% off on your first order. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash Acme to let them know that you heard about it from our podcast and get 25% off your first order. That's functionofbeauty.com slash Acme to take your hair quiz and save 25% on your first order. The mixer this week was so much fun. I could not have done it without the standard without Kayla, my girl, love her. And the one like I, you know, I try to contribute a lot to these mixers. But the one thing that I am actually pretty good at, I'm not gonna lie, is making these graphics for the mixer. The little poster that you see, I always make that and I could not do it without Issue. Issue is an all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials for events like my mixers to magazines, catalogs, portfolios, and more. There's no need for endless scrolling through PDFs. Issue features your creative in an easy-to-way view on every device. So if you're someone like me who would never understand Photoshop, not even close, can't even try, 
Issue is the place for you because you can work seamlessly with tools you already use like Canva, Dropbox, and InDesign. It's all about helping you. So if you're like, oh, I want to be better at TikTok. I want to be a better influencer. I want to be a content creator. Whatever it is that you want to be, that's what Issue is for. And did I mention that you can get started for free? Or if you sign up, you can have an annual premium account with 50% off when you go to issuu.com slash podcast and use promo code ACME. That's issuu.com slash podcast and use promo code ACME at checkout for your free account or 50% off your annual premium account. That's issuu.com slash podcast with promo code ACME. Become the content creator you want to be. At what point did you start having an eye for Caitlin? And did you reach out to her? Like, tell us a little bit about how you guys got started dating. Yeah. So, what happened was, got off the show. And then I remember all this business stuff coming up with deals. And I don't know, people are like, how are you branding yourself? I'm just like, what are you guys talking about? And I remember DMing her saying like, Hey, I know you've had a ton of success after the show. And it was like a week or two after like she had put a story like team Jason or something. So I felt like she would respond or whatever. And so I just said, do you have any advice for how this stuff works after? Like, do you know who this agent is or this agent? Like what any guidance? I remember she gave me some good advice, like just in the DM. That was that. And then I think it was October-ish. Yeah. Late October. She was in Seattle, which is where I was working. And it was relatively soon there after they announced Colton to be The Bachelor. And so she came and when she was in Seattle, I podcasted with her on her show. And the whole theme was like, what's next? Like, so that didn't work out. What's next? What are you looking for in a girlfriend? What are you going to do for work? Where do you want to live? Like all this stuff. And that was the first time ever I had spoke to her. And what's interesting about our story is the first time we ever like communicated verbally is all recorded, which is like a completely wild thing to like look back on and re-listen to. That's so funny. So you started to have like initial sparks for her initial feelings during that recording. And then at what point did you ask her out or like make it more, you know, flirtatious? Yeah, I think there was like an initial, there's like definitely, I mean, even if you listen to that episode on Off the Vine, there was definitely natural banter and chemistry, I think a little flirting. But we didn't start like dating until it was like we went on a date early or mid January. And so once we went on that date, the chemistry was pretty natural and it took off pretty quickly. I mean, it took off so quickly that our first date together was like mid January ish. And by June, we lived together. I love that. And had a dog. Six months. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, when you know, you know. And speaking of knowing, when did it kind of hit you that this is somebody that you could marry and start a life with? I think once we went through a lot of the cycles of emotion, like we had had our first fight, we had discussed our exes and things that brought us to this point. We had gone through the history of our family dynamic and good and bad, childhood, what led us to who we are today. We went through like the depths of 
really knowing each other and what makes us us. And I think when we did that, there was just like this moment, I think we were playing cards or whatever. She actually has, Caitlin has two songs out. They're just like fun singles she did. And one of it talks about like the first time when I told her I loved her, we we're just like playing cards that came out. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, kind of about like caught off guard. I didn't even know that I said it. And it was just such a natural intuition and like real feeling. It just like came out. There is no filter. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I think when you know someone to their depth of what makes them them, not for the well, yeah, for the good, of course, but also for the bad, it creates a deeper connection that's greater than just conversation or physical chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at what point, if you had to at all have a conversation with Caitlin and say like, how comfortable you were about how much she was going to talk or not talk about your relationship on her podcast? And did you ever struggle to accept that it might be more public or were you, you kind of knew what you were signing up for because you knew that she was just an open person? I didn't know to the extent at all what I was signing up for. And one of the big issues was, and I talk about this in the book was, Caitlin told a story about our first, as a confession, our first hookup. And she tells a story as like a funny, lighthearted, comedic sense of like good humor and fun and relatability. And that story ended up at my, well, it ended up hitting every headline, people, ET, e-news, all that bullshit. And it ended up in the hands of my boss and the HR director of the bank. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, and it's all in the restart roadmap, the book I wrote. So I talk a lot about rewiring and resetting your career. And I talk about the fact, you know, like 10 years, W2 employee, exceeded expectations every day. You tell me where to move, I'll move, move from New York to Seattle. I was the guy. And the thing is in this world is like, you're a free agent, like one step in the wrong direction. And you're as good as nothing to them. And right. so they put me in a position, they literally said, like, either restart your career outside the bank and be done here, or restart your career inside the bank. And if you want that, no more podcasts, no more interviews, no social media, nothing. And at this point, that was picking up to be a side hustle that was monetarily exceeding what I was making as a vice president, senior corporate banker. And I enjoyed it. I felt like this is kind of fun. So, and I could be me. I was like, I could, you know, I could, that's actually all I have to do is be me. And so, the decision was easy. I ended up leaving the company and restarting. Well, those issues, restarting my companies and brands and everything outside of a working bank that I've been at forever. And those issues did though bleed into family dynamic and stuff, you know, mom and dad and grandparents and stuff, seeing some of these headlines, like what the hell? And so I would say that was like the spark where the rubber met the road of discussing what is and what isn't acceptable in the worlds that we live in as far as what we're sharing. Yeah. And I want to get into more of you leaving your job and your book. My last question for you on dating is what made you want to propose on a podcast itself? Did it have to do with you and Caitlin kind of first having that conversation on the podcast and that being a theme of your relationship? Yeah. I mean, I think the idea was was I was going to take the ring down to Mexico because of COVID. The first time she was going to see her mother in a year and a half, she's extremely close to the family. So it's even more than a year and a half. And she'd see her mom was going to be when we were in Mexico 
one year today. So we left May 11th or May 12th of 2021. So the idea was I'll bring the ring down and I'll do something there and your mom will be able to see it and it'll be beautiful. And I quickly got a call from my mom. I have an analytical side of my brain that came from my mom. And my mom's like, I love this idea, but Jason, there are some liabilities (laughs) in bringing this ring and concealing it across the border. And she brought some of those to my attention, the value of the ring, everything, you know? So I ended up pivoting that and did it on the podcast. So what we did was I set it up so that Caitlin thought that she had a big sponsorship that day. So she had to get issues getting her makeup done. And there was like three cameras in there. So she thought she had this like big sponsorship. Apple actually was doing a deal for a podcast. Her manager convinced her of that. So she was like very serious with me about prepping. She's like, okay, you got to get focused. She had a passion. Caitlin never had to turn up. She's always on the call. <laughs> she's like going through it. And she's like, you got to do this. She got to see this. She got to go. Okay, 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 okay. Good, 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 good. And then well, the funniest part about it was the fact that we get in there and we're rolling. And I'm thinking to myself, she has no idea. But she almost, she had to get batteries. And where my ring was, she almost went in this like drawer to get the battery. No. I was uncontrolled. It was too far from me. The video guys like kind of stopped there. He's like, what do you need? Double it. Oh, I got it right here, right here. And she was moving so quick. She just took them. It almost got completely blown up. But it is kind of a cool thing to think that the day we met and the first time we spoke to each other was recorded. And then the same place that we met, we also have the audio and video. And so many of my buddies tell me like, yeah, you propose, you don't remember anything, the audio video of the day that we got engaged. And so she was completely surprised. We can relive that moment as often and it's just whatever we do want. And it's kind of like this special meeting to being engaged all in one space. And I said to her after, like, listen, you have the video, we have the audio, do whatever you want with it. You don't have to put it out. And yeah. we ended up waiting a little bit and put it out. So. I love that. That's amazing. I can't even convince my husband to come on my podcast. You not only came on her podcast, but you proposed on it. So that's a huge win. That's amazing. Let's talk investing for a second and and your book. So my husband tells me that I am the best investor in the world. And I'll tell you why. I want to know. I will invest in something, typically the market itself or something else. And I then will never check. Never check to see what happens. That's amazing. Why? You're just like, I'm good. I'm there. I I just... I feel like if you see something going down, if you see... I mean, right now, it's like a shit show, right? So if if I'm checking every day and I'm like, oh, it's doing worse and worse, like maybe I want to take something out and maybe, you know... I'll make a bad business decision based on my emotions for what I'm seeing. But I feel like if you ride it out, it's like the best case scenario. But what do I know? So what is your advice for investing for especially, you know, most of the women that are listening to this podcast who are just maybe getting into it or feel like they should? Yeah. So there's a ton of pieces of advice. What's interesting is like emotional management is a big one, which is one you clearly know how to deal with, right? I had a buddy tell me today, market's getting killed. He sold everything. I'm like, dude, you can't just panic and sell everything. He's like, that's what I did. That's everything you don't want to do. I think let's start baseline up when it comes to money management. Step one, if you're listening to this, 
If I ask you how much debt you have, what the interest rate is, you better be able to tell me right away. You better be able to tell me how much debt you have, what's the interest on it, and how are you paying it off? So many people are focused on investing and making money, but they have yet to clean the debt up. If you have credit card debt, stop right now. Literally, just stop even listening to this podcast and go find a way to restructure, repay that. If you are rolling credit card debt, it will be rolling over and over. Interest rates on that are already up like 20, 30%. You won't get out of it unless you put a plan of action in place. And that plan of action will bleed into your happiness with your job, how stuck you'll become with your job, your security in a relationship, your confidence to be independent, to make decisions. It doesn't just impact finances. So clean your debt up is step one. Get a rainy day fund is step two. Rainy day fund is understand what your expenses are for a month or two and have at least two to six months of that cash away for the big disasters that occur. Don't touch it. And then step three, after doing all that, would be looking to build wealth upon your wealth. The idea is make money and let the market and investing make more money on your money. And one of the big things that people need to know, and I'll I'll take a pause because we could do a two-hour podcast on all this, is inflation right now is over 8%. So what that means is that in the last year, the cost of goods, our milk, our energy, our gas, the overall cost of all goods in 12-month period has increased 8%. It's the highest increase that we've seen in 40 years. So the cost of things going up so much puts a lot more burden on all of us to think about how we're making money and how we are spending money. There's certain chapters in the book that are the art of negotiation, really thinking about how you're negotiating for yourself and the dollars that come in and the dollars that go out and the importance of doing so. It's a lot to take in right there. That's why I'm like, I'll pause there uh-huh. and move anyway, because there's a lot of action there. Totally. Definitely need to read this book. Is property the best investment if you can afford it? So the interesting thing about property in general, right? Like, So residential real estate on average, not in New York City, not in LA, on average in the United States, in February, it increased 20% of value. So if you owned, uh, let's say, a million-dollar place, I'm just using this as an example. I'm not making the assumption everyone owns a million-dollar place, but it's a simple math. If you own a million-dollar home, in February, it's now worth $1.2 million. Just like that, you essentially, based on appreciation, made $200,000. So we haven't seen real estate appreciate the way it's appreciated like it's in February since mm-hmm. 1985. So this is not the norm. But standard, if you look at history, history showcases that if you do invest in residential property in general, the historical returns show that it is a good investment and one in which you will get a positive return on your money. There's also, and I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but there are also tax strategies that people can use with real estate investing. So it would reduce the taxable income that they actually have to pay taxes on. So that's a whole different conversation, but there's a lot of good components about investing in real estate and saving for that and getting the right down payment and stuff could be really good for you or based on your situation and your overall happiness, it might make more sense to rent. 
Mm-hmm. What was the most like eye-opening thing that you learned from having somebody on your podcast that mm-hmm. you were like, oh, I didn't even think of that as a good finance skill or whatever, but that's definitely something I'm going to implement. Okay. So the podcast I have, you said it already, it's called Trading Secrets. And the whole idea of people come on, celebrities, athletes, influencers, whatever, and they talk about where they made money, where they make money, where they lost money right to the dollar. And the idea is the more people talk about money, the more information we have to negotiate for ourselves. I think one of the biggest life-changing conversations I had was with Rob Deerdeck, so from TV. And so what he did was he had all these consultants who paid all this money come in and like optimize his businesses. So make them more efficient, more organized. And he said, wait a second, if you could do that with my companies, can you do it with my life? And so he goes through this system that he put in place where he gamifies his life. He's like, I love playing games and I'm competitive in games. I was one of the best skateboarders in the world. I'm going to gamify my life. And I'm not going to gamify it to be the richest man in the world. I'm not going to gamify it to be the most powerful. I'm going to gamify it to be the happiest version of me I can be. And so he started tracking things that are either binary or numerical, right? So it's either number-based or it's a yes or no. And anyone could do this in an Excel file. And you don't have to do it like he did it because he had all these inputs. It was crazy. But he was tracking. Did I drink today? Did I work out today? Did I spend two hours with my daughter today? Did I connect with my wife today? <laughs> this is kind of crazy. He got a number and gets a number every day from his wife. How connected did he is with her? One through 10 from her. So he will see. Today's a 5.4. Yesterday was a 2.6. Tomorrow's a 9.1. And he inputs it. And the interesting thing about it is he started to find information that was driving his happiness. He noticed that the days he was happier, his connection with his wife was high. His connection with his kids were high. He noticed the days that he was happier, he wasn't drinking or didn't drink the day before. He'd worked out that day. He actually is a guy who films more than most people, hosts all these MTV shows. Just go to MTV right now. He's there. He found a connection that when he films, his happiness level and his connection from his family is down significantly. So he started changing his life where he would stack up his filming to only 4%. And I remember this verbatim. This was a conversation that was almost a year ago. Only 4% of his entire year is now spent filming. And so it's interesting that it was a personal lesson, financial lesson, that all these different areas of our life, where we work, what we do, how we spend, the money we make, if we drink, if we party, all these things, they do come back to our overall happiness. And he has found that when his happiness is honestly higher, he's more productive in all the areas that he wants to be more productive. And that was something I won't forget. And in fact, not just saying it, I can scroll right now. I have a little Excel file that I made where I measure things every single day. And I measure, I don't know, I like running. It helps me with my happiness. So did I run? How many miles? What was the happiest day recently? Well, that's something I'm working on. Because Mm -hmm. I actually looked yesterday. And my happiness levels haven't been great. (laughs) They've been a lot of sixes and a lot of sevens and a lot of 7.5s. And not many eights, nines, or tens. But I've had some good eights the last week. And the last time I had a 10, I'm looking, hang on, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. The last time I had a 10. Let's hear it. I had a high score. I had a nine on Mother's Day. Oh. Wow, this is sad. I only had two tens in 
in 2022. Tens are hard. I mean, are you like in the throes of wedding planning right now? Because that can bring things down. Well, there's a lot of things, right? So Caitlin was on Dancing with the Stars tour for two and a half, three months. So like if I look at like levels of how connected we were then, obviously those are lower. And we are in the midst of, yeah, getting planning together and getting on the same page and seeing what we want, what we don't want. And yeah, especially when you have two people that are moving so fast in their career directions, trying to organize and structure all that is a lot. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot for sure. For sure. How do you guys keep things light and fun? I know you played this really hilarious prank on, on yeah. Caitlin the other day. Yeah. But other than that, you know, how do you behind closed doors kind of keep it light and fun, especially in a situation like being busy all the time, wedding planning, just going through life? I think what we do is like we'll set expectations for what we're doing, if that makes sense. So if we're going to talk like today, we actually spent an hour talking about business stuff, financial stuff, and planning stuff. The expectation was we're going to sit there from one to two and that's what we're going to talk about. Last night, we went out with a couple. The expectation was, let's keep our phones down and let's really not try and talk about business. Like, Let's be cognizant of the fact that that's what we're living every day. So let's not really talk about it. So we kind of set these expectations. And what did we do last night? We were drinking wine. We played this great card game called Swoop. If anyone, I just learned it. It's unbelievable. And then we played virtual golf in this like simulator thing. So the point is, is like, I think it's like when you time block and you do try and set expectations for what that is, it really helps like mentally get you prepared. So this weekend, we knew all week, this week's been a shit show. We have been working nonstop and we have things at night, which has been going crazy. Other than the time we had together last night, this weekend, we're going to like this tree house and it's right outside Tennessee. I think it's called Bolt Tree Farmhouse or something. And so the expectation there is like, we really want to talk about like life. We want to talk about what our wedding's going to look like. Where do we want to live? Deeper things like parenting styles and when we're going to have kids. And so we're totally disconnecting. We'll have just her and I, the dogs will be watched. And I think doing stuff like that, it's just really, really important. So important, especially like when you're about to get married. If you don't have those conversations now, then when? Uh, So I love that you guys are going to be able to do that. We do these fun poll questions on our Instagram. So before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire poll questions. Fire what? All right. Let's see. Okay. Is it okay for your significant other, so for Caitlin, to hang out with a single friend of her desired gender if they're interested in her? If they're interested in her romantically. Yes. I don't see a space where like that would make sense. Right. Because my thought process and kind of how we manage those things, shit, this is a bad player. But it's like, do as what you would want to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it would be fair for me to be hanging out with someone that had romantic interest in me right. uh, and I knew it. So I wouldn't yeah. want her to do it. And if I would want her to do it, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. 90% of people agree with you. So, yeah. If a couple was engaged and then they broke up and the girl had bought a wedding dress, is it weird for her to use that dress for the guy she eventually does marry? Yes or no? (laughs) I'm a finance guy. So I'm going to say, no, you're saving some good money there. So long as the fact he didn't see it and the fact that you really think your significant other would be blown away or and you're happy and comfortable in it. I'm cool with it. Keep it. I agree. I agree. What were the percentages on that one? 
60% of people think it's weird, but 40% don't. All right. I'm in the minority there. You're in the minority. So am I. If your significant other is invited to your cousin's wedding, should your parents be offering to pay for their flights? Assuming these people are a little younger than we are. If your significant other is invited to your cousin's wedding. No, absolutely not. I don't think so. I think you should figure out if you guys can afford it, budget accordingly, and pay for your own flight. I do think if like you're in your early 20s and like let's just say money's really tight, my thought is find a way to get there. My second thought with that is maybe mom and dad can provide a gift from the entirety of the family. Mm. You're not getting completely crushed. But my thought is you find a way to get there. You pay for your transportation and your stay. And the additional expenses like a gift and stuff will take care of on behalf of the family. Yeah, that would be nice. Do you... Okay, so go back to a time when you were on dating apps, if that existed. Do you respond on a dating app when they only say, hey? I used to. I would respond if it said... Like back in the day, I would respond. But I'm wildly less intrigued to respond when you just say, hey. Like Mm -hmm. in this world, whether you're trying to date, you're trying to sell, or you're trying to interview, you have very limited time because our attention spans are decreasing by the second to make a first impression. And the power of first impressions are critical. So... Go in with something more than hey, but here and there I respond. Yeah, I'm with you. Do you judge people that get back together with their ex? Yes, always or no, it depends. I certainly don't judge them, but I can tell you that it's something I can't do. Yeah. Once we're done, we're done. It's over. There's no turn back. Once we pull the cord and say it's over, for me, there's absolutely no turning back. Historically, that's been pretty consistent. That's the Scorpio in you. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> You're so right about that. But you said no to me, I'm done with you forever. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you wear sunscreen on your face every day? Yes or no? I wear sunscreen a lot on my face. Yeah, for, I would say 95% of the time, yes. Good, you should be. All right, last question. Would you rather cheat on your significant other or be cheated on by your significant other? Hmm. I would rather be cheated on. One, because I already have, so I know what it's like. And two, <laughs> and two, yeah, the idea of cheating is like something I'm strongly against. So I'd be fucking real disappointed in myself if I ever did that. Yeah. Love it. I think one's controllable. One's yeah. slightly controllable. Like mm-hmm. cheating, you're controlling your action. And being cheated on, obviously the healthy relationship, the communication, your part, you probably could have done a better job. But it's obviously a little less controlled. Yeah. I mean, being cheated on, at least like you didn't know that it wasn't a good relationship, you know? like Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you learn quickly. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I think to your point, though, like quickly learn like, shit, I'd rather that happen now and then before, you know, at the time it was an ex-girlfriend. So... You know, mm-hmm. we didn't get engaged. We didn't live together. We, didn't right. have jobs, we weren't married. We didn't have kids. We didn't share finances. Like better now than later. 100% and agreed as someone who's also been cheated on in the past. Jason, can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice? Maybe it's something from the book or something that has just helped you throughout the years, maybe with finance and with dating. I'm going to say break the blueprint. And I think you can break the blueprint at your job. I think you can break it how you're dating. I think you can break it how you're managing your finances. There's so many people out there 
that'll tell you this is how you're supposed to do it. And they create steps of exactly what you're supposed to do and how you need to do it. And the biggest thing is we all become sucked into what other people are defining as success in relationships, in work, in finances. And what I would say is absolutely shatter that blueprint other people are creating and write your own blueprint, your story. What success do you? How are you going to get it? You have one damn life. How are you going to make the most of it? And so for so long of my life, probably up until I made that decision to go to Bachelorette, I was lived by the blueprint guy. Go to school, get my MBA at night, move when I'm told to move, say yes, right? And what I have found is that blueprint breakers, they live everywhere. Most people that we look up to and have achieved outlandish success or happiness are all blueprint breakers. And there's so much that we can learn from people's stories if we focus less on like who they are today and their, either their fame, their power, their respect, and rewire how they got there. And so the book, The Restart Roadmap, Rewire and Reset Your Career is a lot about that. Chapter 2 is all about breaking the blueprint. And I think it's a thesis that I'll stand by until my time is gone. Love it. Thank you so much. Where can everybody find you, follow you, and read your book and yeah. listen to you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Lindsay. The book you can get on audiobook. I did the audiobook, or you can buy it online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target.com, wherever. It's called the Restart Roadmap, Rewire and Reset Your Career podcast called Trading Secrets. You Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Monday. And then uh, on Instagram, all my handles are Jason underscore Tartik. It's T-A-R-T-I-C-K. And the one I'll leave you with is we talked a little bit about finance. We could have got way more into it, but that would probably take up three or four podcasts. So I have an Instagram handle called restart underscore reset. And it's all the things that we weren't taught in schools. It relates to career management, market information, and financial management. So you can check that out. Love it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. 